Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Monday, August 7th, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. And my guest this evening started out with a fruit stand in his mother's front yard, and over the last 30 years, he's expanded his ventures to create multiple multi-million dollar companies in both product and service industries. I'm ex excited to hear about this journey and uh, the ups, the downs, the in-betweens, the big decisions and then uh, what he's got going on and what's coming up next. I would like to welcome two lots to talk about. Roderick, Lenart, how are we doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. This is fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's uh, it's just uh, another Monday night, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's fun to get together with people that have stories. I, I use Podmatch, and uh, I'm really... I'm really happy with the service, finding guests. Uh, I really was trying to niche when I first started doing interviews. And when I started using Podmatch and realized that what I wanted to get out of interviews was just talking to people and hearing their stories of who they were. Um, and with the bios on there and being able to read about different guests, uh, it just provides for fantastic stories. Um, and I saw your profile and you fit the bill, man. So I appreciate you coming on, adding value to this, this conversation and telling your stories. I'm sure my guests will get a lot out of what you have to say. So, um, introduce yourself. I, I had a little bit about there, uh, about you there, but, uh, introduce yourself. Tell my, my audience, uh, who is Roderick and, uh, and maybe what a little bit about what you got going on now. And then we'll talk about how you got there. Yeah. Who is Roderick? What a deep question. You're not supposed to hit me with the hard stuff right away. <laughs> well, um, we, we do that and then I, I just let you talk for an hour. So <laughs> there you go. Um, man, where do I begin? You know, lifelong entrepreneur, uh, born in Michigan, <clears throat> kind of like you, you're doing right now. I've rambled the earth. I've been to 50 plus countries now on six continents. I did the RV thing for a while, hit a bunch of the United States and, um, Anyway, yeah, like you said in the intro, you know, I started out just as a kid, figured out really early on that I did not want to work for anybody else. I was that like nine, 10 year old reselling golf balls down the street and then made a deal with the guy with the garden up the hill. If I could pick the vegetables, I could put a little stand in my front yard and, you know, anything I could sell or resell or whatever from a really young age. So, you know, how do I buy my own bike? How do I buy my own Nintendo? How do I order pizza? You know, so that's how it all begins and then it's the first um, dollar dude it's the first dollar that does it uh, my dad set me you said selling golf balls my dad set me outside the clubhouse at the at the country club that he was a member of and i'm not i'm talking country club i'm talking like little golf course out in the sticks but it yeah, was yeah, called the country club. <laughs> uh, they sent me outside with a bucket uh full of soapy water and a brush and said you ask those guys if they'll uh, they'll let you wash their clubs and uh, while they go in and have a beer and just have them done when they come out and they'll give you money for that. And I was like you know, five, six years old. I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And uh, that was the bam. <laughs> That's it. You know, probably the best lesson he ever could have taught you. Yeah, right yep, for sure. For sure. You know, it's funny. There's um, have you ever heard the analogy? I, I guess it's a metaphor. If the um, if you took all the money in the world and you put it on a plane and you dispersed it evenly around the globe within 10 years, all the people that had all the money in the first place would have it back again. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Same thing. Like once you know those principles, you just figure it out um, and you're willing to try once you, once you, you build it enough and you see success at all in something, even if it goes away, as long as you focus on what you learned on the way up and what worked and realize what didn't work um, and don't do it again. That's it. That's, that's the biggest lesson, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I, I started my first real, we'll call it a real business because it had an, an EIN and a LLC and all that. Um, I guess I was 18, 19 years old and, you know, entrepreneur all the way through college, um, and then I, I moved to Charleston. I graduated from the University of Toledo uh, in Ohio. 
and moved to Charleston, South Carolina. And I uh, had my own business, moved it with me. I was selling stuff online back when eBay, you know, PayPal had their IB, IPO to give you an idea. So way back and uh, ended up taking a job and it was the only real corporate job I ever had. And I was selling new homes and I won't name the builder, but it was a Fortune 100 builder. And I was 24, 25 years old. I was making more in a month than my parents ever made in a year. And my paychecks were, were stupid. I mean, just my hourly rate was laughable. You know, I'm doing world-class sales trips, you know, flying to Santa Barbara, hanging out with athletes, rock stars, whatever, living the dream, right? And I hated my life. I was extremely depressed. I woke up with this, you know, is this all there is feeling and worse at times. And I found myself on an operating table at 25 years old, about to get the discs in my back fused. And I was otherwise healthy. I still coached sports. I still played sports. I was, you know, like what's going on right now? And I, I stopped. I stopped the surgeon. I didn't go back. I ended up coming across this book by John Sarno, if you've ever heard of it, called Healing Back Pain. And it basically says that the pains in your brain, it's your body's stress response. Like you are under such extreme mental stress that your body is is keeping you away from that, keeping your mind from thinking about it. Right? It's a self-preservation thing. And here I am 20 years later, never got my, my back fused. So shame on that surgeon for saying that that was the only way to cure, you know, a 25 year old. And uh, honestly, that's where, you know, the waves method that's in my book and what I work with my clients on, what our courses are about. That's what I developed only I didn't call it that then. You know, I'd always been the student of life. My books, you know, I probably read 200 books by the time I was 19 or 20 years old, all nonfiction, you know, all the greats. And I dove into those books to pull myself out of that hole. And I built myself this filter that I ran all future decisions through. To your point, I was never going to find myself in that place again. Like, it did, you know, my, my life literally depended on it. So fast forward through five or six other businesses. And last year, I sold my last business, which was a real estate company in Charlotte, North Carolina. And took six months off. I called taking it off when I went to Brown University, got my ICF and coaching so I could be a professional coach. And, you know, I've got rental properties. I work on hot rods in my spare time. Like I was ready to strap on my white Velcro New Balance call to life and, uh, you know, just piddle around in the garage and do some mentoring, some coaching here and there. And uh, true to form, I lasted about six months. We went, we went around the world again in January. So I went east this time. I've been around the world west. And uh, I was sitting on a beach in Thailand and I, I looked over Nicole, my partner, I just said, we got to give it all away. And she's like, what? Like just she's sitting there you know, drinking a smoothie. She has no idea what I'm talking about. But meanwhile, in my mind, I've already gone in 50 different directions. Yeah. And uh, that's what that's what started everything that I'm a part of now. And we've got I'm going to unabashedly tout EF. But, um, you know, we donate all of our money now. So the coaching, the book, the course is everything we have going on. 100 percent of it is donated to our foundation. Send a student leader abroad. And we've partnered with EF. They're the facilitator. But we ultimately raise all the money and our goal is to send a million kids abroad. So that's that's my why right now. And there's a whole another story behind that we can get into that. That's that's pretty cool. I was I was reading into that um, quite a bit. And the, that's life-changing stuff. Those trips—I uh, remember taking different trips as a kid, um, not necessarily abroad, but um, bigger trips than than the other kids I knew were taking. And those—they the, felt like it gave you an advantage, a little bit of experience, a little mm -hmm. bit of um, confidence that that you can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to say there's, it teaches you that there's no them, there's only us, right? And I think people that never leave their hometown or even if they never leave the States, you know, you just never gain that perspective. And you know, not to get crazy off topic, but our, our history is a history of who we're taught to hate, right? Over hundreds of years, it's like, right, we're going to hate the French, now we're going to hate the English, now we're going to hate the Spanish, now we're going to hate the Russians, now we're going to hate, you know, and nobody knows any of these people. It's just, it's just who you're taught to hate. And you travel this world and you realize that people are just like you and me. They, they just want the best life for themselves, for their family. They want their kids to do great. They want their dogs to do their three St. Bernards to be great. You know, it's just everybody wants the same stuff. All eight billion of us. You know? the, biggest, the, the biggest eye opener to that, though, is um, 
is when my wife started a Facebook group for, or a Facebook page for our first St. Bernard. Um, and then when we got two more, it just kind of piggybacked on. But she had followers or still has followers from all over the world. And when they would comment, it was all the same. Like all the cam, it didn't matter where the people were from. They were mm-hmm. commenting the same issues they had, asking the same questions from different places. Everybody's the same. If if we can focus on the things we have in common instead of the fact that we're in different locations, it That's might it. just work. Imagine, imagine if everybody when they graduated high school had to spend a year volunteering. Everybody in the world, they had to go to another country and volunteer for a year. How different this world would be. You know, and, and that's what we're after with the foundation. I mean, I'll give you the backstory on that. Um, I was 13 and my mom spent, we didn't grow up with anything, you know, a little one bathroom house in Michigan. Like we, um, we didn't have any money. And my mom spent money she didn't have to send me on that trip. And it completely changed my life. It completely changed my outlook. I brought that back to my community and it really instilled in me the the need to do that to offer that to other people and that's what inspired my love for travel that's why i've been to you know at the end of this year i'll be have been to 55 countries and i finally have antarctica back on the book so i'm gonna hit my seventh continent next year COVID killed that but um that's our goal with the foundation is you know these kids they their teacher nominates them it's school school specific but ultimately it's a matching grant so you know, the kid that shows promise, but he's clearly never going to be able to afford to go on a trip like that. He can apply for this grant. We accept him, one kid per school, you know, as EF does these trips. And we also work with them. And just like your dad putting you outside the, the country club, you know, we work with them every week to raise their own money. So, you know, we brainstorm with them. Can you get a paper route? Can you sell candy bars? You know, what, what can you do to raise some of these funds? And those trips now cost about 4,000 bucks, somewhere around there. And ultimately, man, if they raise $5, we're going to pay for the rest of it. But the idea is they go on that trip, it changes their trajectory, hopefully, and they bring that viewpoint back to their community. Their community is not talking about those things. And it is a exponential impact we can have. And that's that's why we do all of this. The business side of it, what we do with Million Dollar Flip Flops, it just funds the foundation. What what age group do you target with the kids? middle school like they're typically seventh grade going into eighth grade and ef does you know a lot they do gap years and they do college trips they do a lot but our our focus is is middle school so you can catch them at you know 12 13 years old and and really make an impact perfect perfect so all right i mean that's where you're at now and that's fantastic we're gonna talk about more about that in a little bit what um so you went to college did and you so you were you were entrepreneuring before what was uh what was your goal in going to college you seem to have been successful prior <laughs> i um i went to make my parents happy honestly <laughs> that was the only reason i went and i talk about that in the book quite a bit because i i was in classes and i'm listening to professors who while well-meaning probably never ran a business themselves. And I went through the entrepreneurship family and small business program. I was, I was the first one into that at that school. I was one of the first graduates of that program and they don't have it anymore. They just have an entrepreneurship minor. Um, Honestly, it's probably a good idea because, you know, engineering students can go through the entrepreneurship minor. Now you don't have to be a business major, but um, that's the only reason I went. I've never used my degree in any, (laughs) any fashion whatsoever. Other than to get the job, you had to have a college degree to sell new homes with this particular builder. So I will say it opened that Which door. really makes sense. It really, it really, it really makes sense. Yeah. Um, but if you look back on it, it was that door that damn near killed me. So I really didn't, if I wouldn't have had the degree, I wouldn't have never done that. I would just stayed an entrepreneur and probably been happy. Yeah. But, you know, but it's all, look it's where all you're at now. <laughs> yeah. I, that, uh, that's what mine used to say. Um, yeah, a mentor of mine used to say it, everything that happened to you had to happen for you to get to where you are today. And the evidence is it did. (laughs) So simple. Yeah, I, uh, there was a, it was about, I don't know, six months ago, we were in Texas, uh, for the winter. And I, uh, had a question of the day for my daily, I do a morning daily show too, 
or daily morning show too during the week yeah, yeah. and uh, do a question of the day. And it was something about um, what's the biggest decision you would have changed or whatever. And um, I was out thinking about my own question, walking the dogs. And it just dawned on me that I, I can't change anything because I wouldn't be where I am right now. And right now I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Is it ultimately where I want to be? No, but I'm happy. I'm content with what I'm doing and, and growing so no, I can't change anything because it, I wouldn't be exactly where I am. Yeah, yeah. Spoken like someone without a victim mentality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so you went to college and you got the job, and <laughs> after the surgery, you realized no more job. Is that? Yeah, uh, that was it. That was it. You know, I once I read that book, and and it's one of those. I really believe when the student's ready, the teacher appears, you know, and that that book had been around forever and it just came into my life at the right time and fortunately allowed me to avoid something that could have been, you know, life altering, you know, and it it just it opens your eyes. And I, I tell people there's a, there's a section in the book about picking your tribe and there's a reason that's in there, because when you go through whether you read the book, you take a course, whatever it is, you listen to this podcast and it changes your viewpoint. You know, you, you see things in a different lens. And the analogy I've always used is it's like going to the same city in Europe every year. But over the years, it looks different because you show up with different wants and different needs. It's a different you every time you arrive, even though the city's the same, if that makes sense. So picking your group of people once your eyes are open to something like that um is i think arguably the most important thing you can do because that's where i find at least in my private practice that people get held back the most it's usually by their friends and their family and it's it's not because those people don't love them it's it's that they're afraid of being left behind and we we all have that how how do you overcome that um i i think like it's my hard talking to family and being like, you know, I really, I really uh, dig you and all, and and your family and all, but you know, go screw. Um, that's <laughs> that's not like the conversation that you really want to have. Well, it's not the conversation you want to have, but oftentimes it's the conversation you need to have. You know, it's it's all it's all what level you want to take your your life. <laughs> If people are holding you back, like I've, I've always said, you don't have to eliminate those people, but you have to limit those people. You, right. You're, right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I've heard it referred to as like um, figuring out how much drain or uh, positive energy they put into you, whether they take mm -hmm. away or put into you or neutral. And uh, you really just have to end up on the positive end for the day. So if you have to, have to, have to, have to deal with one of those negative draw people, it's got to be limited in time and counterweighted by way more positive people in the day. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it and it's not easy. You know, it's it's easy when we're talking about it on a podcast. It's not it's not easy in in practice in real life. But oh know, no, not, it's definitely hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think the sooner you realize that that people have certain stations in your life. Like a, like a subway car. You know, some people are on for the whole ride. Some people get on at a stop, they get off at a stop, they get back on later. Some people just are on for one stop, you know, but every, everybody has that, that purpose in your life and your purpose in their life. You know, and as soon as you realize not everybody is along for the ride all the time, the better off you'll be. Right. And just because, just because they get off doesn't mean they can't get back on at another point. Absolutely. And I, you know, one of the most difficult things is, is how do you draw the line between helping somebody like that or helping them see the light, helping them be more positive, et cetera, and not being just sucked dry of your energy, you know, you, and only you can make that decision of what that line is. Oh, man. So the whole, the whole, the whole premise of everything we're doing right now kind of came out of this um, self-sufficiency role. Um, trying to, like, we lived in the suburbs, we moved to a farm, we were self-sufficient there, we didn't feel comfortable in Minnesota, so we wanted to be somewhere warmer, so we're exploring that right now, and it's kind of transformed over the years, but um, I made this big progression through, um, through you know, 
super hardcore conservative to um, constitutional conservative to libertarian to now I'm an anarchist. I don't give a shit about any of it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really don't. I really don't fucking care about sh- anything. I, I really. I, I have to ask people if it's an election year or like, I don't know anymore. And it, it's, it blows my mind because like eight years ago, maybe more like 12 years ago now, um, man, I could have told you like the list of the top 200 senator or 200 reps and like, all. Oh, I don't give a shit anymore. But anyway, yeah. when I was making those transitions, that energy of trying to convert people at all those different stations as the as the conservative as the libertarian as the newly budded anarchist and now i've got to the point where i don't have the energy to change your mind i'm just going to tell you what i know and if you want to take it for what it is it is what it is um i i can't i I can't like you said waste my energy trying to convince you um I've gone down that line with cryptocurrency, uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, I'm not going to try to change your mind. I don't give a shit. Like you do you. I'll teach you how to do it. I'll tell you what I know and why I do what I do. But I don't need to convince you. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. <laughs> so, it really yeah. it frees your it frees your mind up for a lot of other stuff when you're not constantly trying to come up with um, explanations. And absolutely. And, you know, but, if, if you think about the fact that the, the proverbial they, we'll just call them they, what they want, you know, they're all branches of the same tree, man. Like, and until you realize that and what they want is us like this. So you don't you don't pay attention to the bigger picture. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just enjoying life now. Um, I figured that, you know, if I can just do my thing and not worry about any of it i can i can probably make it through till i'm done like till my last breath i could probably just fly under the radar and enjoy my life and do my thing and uh, figure it out along the way Uh, i don't have to battle i don't have to change i'm not going to change anything so man enjoy it and and work hard and and do things you enjoy so you don't have to retire that man well said permanent vacation right well, yeah, man. I mean, I love working. Like you said, you took six months off and couldn't stand it. Um, I enjoy doing shit. I, I on our trip, I was trying to limit what I did and stuff. Um, I got anxious, like I really did, uh, just for the fact that in this kind of content creation industry, it, it, it's all about consistency. And I was mm-hmm. thinking that I was forgetting things because um, I didn't have it on a schedule. I didn't have a team to like leave it with. I'm a one man show. And like my wife was like, you need to take three hours and fucking work so you can calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and know, it worked. It worked. Was... Like, they, they, they left me alone and I was good. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Um, it's the evening. Let's call it a Sunday evening. Cause even when you're out of working world, Sunday scaries are still a real thing. I feel like it's ingrained in you and it never leaves. Do you have more anxiety thinking about what is in your email or checking the email when you're not supposed to? Um, you can't, you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, no, I'm not. I'm more um, big on like making sure I did my setup because like I set up all my stuff for the next morning um, and then I pre-do blog posts. I'm always, my anxiety comes from that I forgot a step in my routine, uh, which will throw everything off because I have to get links from links and all the whole, it's like all set up as a, you know, it's like farm chores. You, you optimize everything. And if you, uh, yeah. if you miss something, you're all out of whack. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my anxiety comes from pretty much. But I, I don't mind what's in emails. It, it's just part of it. I remember I was building houses for a long time and, and it was like that Sunday into Monday and I would tell the uh, subs that worked for me, I'm like, you've got to preemptively answer things on Friday because the customer sits there all weekend thinking about what they're going to ask you on Monday. And then they either call you or email you on Sunday. So it's like I started to hate my email. And then I was like, I would like, well, I'm not going to look at my email today. And it's like, wow, but what's in there? You know? <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's like, worse to know or worse to worry about it, you know? Yeah, I just have it flowing on the phone and I look at the subject and if it's something that needs to be like I can I can 
I can filter just in a mess in like that. You can set up the email so you can see the first like three pair, first three lines. Yeah, yeah. If it isn't important to those three lines, it goes in the archive for later. Yeah. There you go. So um, anyway, you've had to have some um, just rock bottom failures, decisions, businesses. You want to kind of throw some out there and, and um, was it, were they maybe, is there one that you made a bad decision? Like, you know, and you own it um, that really kind of went sideways. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there's dozens of things that went sideways, <laughs> you know, um, I won't get into the personal stuff, but I'll tell you, no, I mean, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about it. I'm not going to get into it. Um, when I, so when I left the, the job, I started a construction company and this was super early on. And first year I did like 50,000 bucks by year three, we were doing 50,000 almost every three days, four days. Like we grew really, really fast. And it was just like any other job. It's like, or any other business that I've run. It's like, if you just do the right thing and you think about the customer first, you get all the money you need. You know, and that's where a lot of entrepreneurs get, go wrong. Like they're in, they're in short term, they're, they're just thinking about dollars and paying their bills, not realizing that it really does work the other way around. So we grew and grew and grew and I bought tons of real estate because that's all I've really ever known is, you know, real estate and construction is, was 20 years, 20 plus years of my life. And uh, what went wrong? I'm going to ask you that question. What went wrong in 2009 if you own nothing but real estate? Oh, there's a, I mean, owned real estate or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when everything went to shit in the, the Great Recession, I mean, I got absolutely hammered. I mean, I went from a million to damn near zero. And it was, we had specs coming out of the ground. You know, I was relatively leveraged, not crazy. And I knew guys, I mean, they, they hung themselves because they lost everything they had. And it, their identity was based on their stuff and their money and whatever. And the, the lesson that I had learned that probably saved my life during that time was when I was depressed and when it was, well, what am I doing? You know, I learned early on that money's not the answer. And I think a lot of people, they, they have to get to 40 and 50 years old, climbing the corporate ladder or building their business more and more and more and more of the hedonic treadmill, right? And then they realize that it's not the answer. And some people never get there. So I was fortunate that I learned that lesson early, but the mistake I made was putting all of my money in real estate because I understood it. You know, it's like Warren Buffett says in stocks, buy what you know. Well, I understand real estate and who could see 2009 coming. So, so it, it, I mean, it just about wiped me out and I had to start over and start over again. And it, it taught me lessons that, you know, if I had to guess, I've made 10 million less dollars in the last 15 years than I would have because I turned so risk averse because I never wanted to be in that spot again. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there is that lesson. Um, Are you... Did you do you wish looking back now that you were less risk averse or are you comfortable where are you comfortable with that now? I know I know your philosophy now and mine is, too, that it had to happen. But like, do you think you would be a way different person? Do you think you would have crashed and burned more often if you were more risk averse or would you have been a wiser, riskier person? I think I did. Yeah, no, I understand the question for sure. I, and I think, I mean, I, I pushed the max of my comfort level, but I had the wherewithal to know what that level was, you know, and that's ultimately what the book and all the systems I teach and that, you know, what I built when I was 24 or 25, that decision filter that I built, that, which we call the waves method. But with that process, it, it really makes every decision you make in your life very easy because you've taken the time. And I'll just, I'll take two minutes and tell you what that is, but wave stands for your why. Yeah. Waves is your why. So that passionate why, why are you doing anything in life? A is authenticity. And this is where people go wrong because they do things. And I'll tell you in my private practice, we dive really deep into core values, the V, but people, every time they give you things that aren't their real core values, they're what they think I want to hear. They're what they, they're what they think they want to hear. They're what they think their 
wife or husband wants to hear. And when you, we treat it like a toddler session. And for an hour I go, why? Okay, but why? Okay, but why? And then you get to then, oh, well, that really isn't important to me. And it's, it's things like family and, you know, friendships and love and like these things. Well, I'm supposed to say that, right? I'm a mom. Family has to be. No, it doesn't. It's, it's you. It's, it's okay to be selfish. So that's the A. That's authenticity. Values we touched on. You know, we go through your core values and we rank them and we list them in order. And that's something people don't take the time to do. E, exploration. You take the, your values and your very first why statement and you go out and you live with it. And, you know, when you're feeling super awesome that day and everything's going right and you're in flow state, you go, man, what, what am I checking off on that list right now that has me feeling so good? Or when you're down and shit's going wrong, you, you look at that list again. What, what, what am I not honoring on this list? And it changes over time, but ultimately it's a pure reflection of who you are. Then you build your statement of purpose and that's your SOP. And so now imagine you have your why, you have core values, you have your SOP that you have taken a great deal of time to think about and process when you're not in decision-making mode, you're not in crisis. You're just taking the time to build these things. Now, when a decision or a crisis does come up, you have a list and a filter. So does it meet my why? If not, toss it. If it does meet your why, does it meet all of your values? You know, your values are clearly freedom and autonomy like mine. Those are very important to you, at least from what little I know about you, right? So you're not gonna go take some job tomorrow that you have to be in office for 50 hours a week. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. <laughs> you know, but people, they don't take the time to think about what they really want out of this life. And I'll tell you, there's a book um, called The Death of Ivan Illich, and it's by Tolstoy. And a spoiler alert, because you probably won't read it. At the end, nobody's ever read that book. At the end, the main character is named Ivan, and he's on his deathbed. And he looks up at his wife and he says, what if my whole life was wrong? I can't think of something more terrifying than that phrase. And that's what drives me to live the life that I have. You know, the, the sick part is you're saying uh, no one will ever read it. I, I am a, I'm at least happy that I've heard of it. And I've heard <laughs> yeah, that you're way ahead of the game. It was tied to that quote, and that's kind of spooky. But um, it just, you, you hit the, and I've heard it in other forms, that same statement. Um, and, that it's weird because that's something that's kind of uh, formed in my thinking a lot um, over the years. And it's something that I kick around often. So that's, I mean, that's pretty crazy that uh, that's something you brought up. I, uh, yeah. wow. Can I dig it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But no, you were like uh, your core values are obviously, well, I'm listening to you talk about, um, but I'm a mom, family's supposed to be number one and this and that. Um, LOTS project, LOTS actually stands for living outside the system, um, living outside mm -hmm. the systems of control of, um, you know, what we're told to do. We talk a lot about like homeschooling and, and going down those lines where pulling out of that, that training that we've all had that you're talking about, um, that we're conditioned to make decisions to and whether it's nefarious or not it it's really you're taught to make decisions that make you not happy because happy people aren't productive people like in in right. in the people that are doing the training's eyes um we want to keep you just above miserable <laughs> that's it who created who created the school systems carnegie ford <laughs> what 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 interest did they have in you having, you know, unique thoughts? Run the yeah. press, buddy. Run the press. <laughs> I'll be in the my, mansion. <laughs> my yeah, my favorite one that I that um, I kind of realized at a young age. I don't know where I had heard it, but somebody was talking about we were going to work and then we were having our four hundred one k meeting, and it was an older guy that I was talking to that was working there basically to pay his taxes on his investments. He was retired and he just he needed something to do and he was just it was all going into investments and taxes um and he told me he's like you know this jackal is going to come in here and tell you about a 401k and promise you all these results that thing hasn't even been around long enough to produce the results he's telling you it's going to have and i'm like huh he's like 
how the hell are they going to know what's going to happen in three years with the stock market? They're making guesses on projections and stuff like this. And he's like, he's like laying this. This is like some hillbilly guy working at this country store with me as I'm in high school. And uh, he's just telling me I'm like laying it out. This dude had he had more money than I ever have hoped to ever achieve in my life. And he's just throwing it down to me. And I'm like, so I asked a while when I would be at these 401k meetings, I was asked the rep the question. I was like, so do you have proven results of people that have been in the program for all of 40 years? And now I guess it's irrelevant because now I think it's actually been around that long. I'm old enough that it wasn't, but they would just look at you like, what? (laughs) Because that's not what they were trained to sell. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I've been in so many of those meetings and I just, my first question is, has any active money manager ever consistently beaten the market? Ever. <laughs> then why is your guy any better? <laughs> My guy's better because his commission is higher. Come on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You get what you pay and, for. You know, right? What does 1% cost me over 30 years? Oh, millions of dollars. That's what 1% cost me over 30 years. Anyway. So um, you've must have had um that home run decision that one that um you remember that is i know you talked about awakening but that business decision that you kind of toiled on that you um ended up making the right call not the not the wrong call um what would you say that that big big one was Hmm. that's a great question i mean you know my last business i we built it, we had a short-term rental business and we managed it. We were one of the first turnkey management companies. I've been doing Airbnbs for 11 years now. You know, I know it's all the rage in the last two, three years, but um, we, I built that business to scale and exit. And the idea was to give me enough runway to do something else. And you would hear me say, I don't know what chapter two is gonna look like, but I can't see it while I'm in chapter one. And I needed that sabbatical. I needed, that was the six months off, you know, and, and it gave me the time to be able to just sit and think. And, and that was when I turned to Nicole that day and said, we need to give it all away. <laughs> you know, So it, I wouldn't have had that had I not built that last business with the intent of I'm going to do this for X number of years and I'm selling it and I'm out, you know, so that if you want to say home run, that was, you know, to date, that was probably it. Did you hit your targets? Like, I always wonder, like, it, people people scaled. I mean, did you did you say 10 years and it was 10 years? How long was it? Were you right on? No, it was, it was three years. I did not hit my target. I hit about 50% of it. Um, and I built that during COVID. So I'm, I'm good with that. You, you, know? were in, you were in Airbnbs, you said? Yeah, yeah, we managed them. Like I've I had my own, still have my own, but um, we managed them turnkey for people. So you know, they just want to check at the end of the month. They don't want to deal with all the all the ins and outs. And we did it for them. We'll have to definitely have a talk because I'm trying to do the same thing with HipCamp, but um, just doing the the back end stuff. And um, yeah, HipCamp's a little different because it's usually. Uh, but we'll talk about that another time (laughs) for sure. Happy to happy to, but, uh, okay. So, I mean, that was planned exit and then you took a sabbatical because you didn't know what you wanted to do. Uh, would you have been comfortable if nothing happened? I mean, I know you're, you're, we're all cut of the same cloth that we think we can't do it. Like we can't sit down. We can't sit. No, but if, if nothing materialized, um, would it have eaten at you till it did? Or do you, would you have just taken your time until it actually just came to you? I think, you know, once once you're, if you're a born and bred entrepreneur, you look at every single thing as a business opportunity. I don't care, you know, you have St. Bernard's, well, how, how can we breed St. Bernard's and make money? Like just those are the thoughts that run through your head. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. It's, man, that could be monetized really easy, right? <laughs> and, you know, I we have the rentals. I don't necessarily have to do anything. You know, I've always lived by this ethos for a long time since I was 24, 25 years old. You know, I talk about the biggest lesson I learned. It was net zero. That was always what I said, net zero. I want to have enough passive income from rentals. I'm never going to live a life that's bigger than my passive income. So the money I make is just free money. So the rentals pay for all my bills. I put away my 401k. You know, I do, you know, I have savings, whatever. 
And then any money I make is the fun money where I can go travel and et cetera, but I'm net zero. If I didn't, no more money came in tomorrow, I'm okay indefinitely. That was always my goal. And I also don't live a crazy lavish lifestyle. You know, I'm not, you know, I'll take my free shirt from EF. Like I'm not, you know, I don't have a Porsche in the driveway. You know, I'm into classic cars and um, woodworking and just really simple stuff. And so I don't need a ton to survive. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think that had we not started down this path, um, I would have built hot rods and just did woodworking in the garage forever and, and sold hot, sold cars. You know, I've had 50 plus cars. I buy and sell cars and bikes and boats and all that. So you, you would, you would, you would have a business and you would have like fantastic cars and you'd be flipping them and you'd be buying them absolutely just pieces of nothing and redoing them completely. Like you would do something. (laughs) I hear, I hear me, you're, you're describing the scene, all the dollar signs. Uh, I tried to explain that to somebody once when we had our homestead because we would walk around and uh, I would give tours. And especially when um, when we were selling everything, we were selling off a huge all sorts of operations and different um, poultries and rabbits and all this stuff. We we're selling off all the equipment and I would give people a walk around and I was like, and this is I did this, 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 this from this thing and this plant over here i sold these and did this and this and this and i was like i would just look around this property and i would see dollar signs on everything and they're like what do you mean i'm like everything i looked at was money and it was growing everywhere it was standing (laughs) everywhere yeah and you were described yeah you're just wired that way it's hard to explain like that's one of those things where people ask you you can learn entrepreneurship and i'm like sure you can learn the principles but it's like you're you're just wired to work that way and it, 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 i have a thousand ideas a day my biggest problem is which one do you do you know it's always been my biggest problem yeah i i'm taking the time now to learn the other the other side of all of this of all the podcasting and the website and all of that that's the after fact learning that's how i do everything like just do it for mm-hmm. i mean like this will be i'm coming up on episode 500 uh, in totality between my interviews and my morning show. And now I'm going to start figuring out how to actually do this stuff. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I'm on, uh, you know, John Lee Dumas, uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire. Uh-huh. His show. So I'm, I'm on his show in like two weeks. And, you know, if you listen to his story, it's the same thing. You know, he did like a thousand episodes and he was still figuring it out. You know, and I, was, I was doing four million a year with the podcast. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, so you, um, so you have a company that you are taking the money from. And so we told the story in the beginning. I want to talk about that now more in depth so you can really kind of lay out um, what people can expect when they come to your website, if they're looking for um, whatever services you offer, uh, and then how that ends up with these kids having these incredible experiences. Yeah. So milliondollarflipflops.com at million dollar flip-flops on every channel. That's how you can find me. And ultimately I'm a business coach, but I only work with six clients at a time. So September 12th, my book comes out, you'll be able to buy it, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, everywhere. Um, and actually, so I don't forget, if you go to million slash resources, there's an access code there to get a bunch of free downloads and bonuses. And the access code is lots. So oh, nice. everybody should nice. know what that is. But um you know, we've got the book, we've got a journal, we've got courses that you can do. They're kind of self-paced. There's a mini course coming out August, week of August 14th. And then the flagship course comes out a couple of weeks after that. Uh, we're leaving for Europe on an international book tour. And then EF is has got all kinds of big plans for me. And that's kind of a crazy side story too that we can talk about after. But um, all of that is just designed to help people live that life, not make the mistakes I when I was 24, 25, you know, it, it builds that filter for them. It's a lot more of my story and kind of how I got to where I am and why you might want to do that too. And similar to you, I'm not here to convince anybody, you know, here's what's, there's a whole section called, I'm not a guru. And here's what's worked for me. Here's what I've developed. Here's what works for my private clients. Here's what works for the folks at workshops when I do live events. I watch these things work every day. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it isn't for you right now. All of it's okay. You know, but all of that money that comes in. So when the book launches and everything with the courses, all of that gets donated to Sasla, not Salsa, Sasla.org, which has sent a student leader abroad. And um, 
that's it, man. You know, and eventually we'll start taking donations and and doing events and stuff for Send a Student Leader Abroad as well. But because to send a million kids abroad is about four billion dollars if you're doing quick math. So it is a ridiculous amount of money. And I always tell folks if if I only send a hundred thousand kids, I did pretty good. Sorry. I'm back. No worries. Amper life. Starlink, you know. <laughs> it's it's better than uh, it's better than it was before we left Tennessee. So um, you were saying four billion dollars. Yeah, that's um, that's some cheddar, man. That's uh, yeah. a little bit. Um, audacious goals, buddy. Audacious goals. It, it, but that's awesome. So with EF, like, how many? If, if this thing goes bonkers, it like goes beyond your wildest dreams, what's their capacity for sending kids and what's your capacity for doing this? You want to do a million kids in your lifetime. Yeah. It, it um, can be, it can be handled. It can absolutely be handled. You know, they're EF right now is a $7 billion company and they're all over the world. And if you look at Halt prize and some of the things that are offshoots of EF and I'll tell you what's been neat about them <clears throat> Um, Edward Holt, uh, who's the son of the owner who started everything, I emailed him on LinkedIn and I just said, hey, here's my story. I want to start this business. I want to give all my money to a charity that sends kids through your program. And he wrote back in a day and said, how can we help? What resources can I give you? You know, and that is a huge corporation for just some stranger on LinkedIn. You know, it thinks, you know, who's to your point, like the 401k guy, who's this jackhole that thinks he's going to do all these big things, you know? And uh, they've been awesome, man. Like, you know, we've got another big meeting with them Monday. And, you know, they they came to our last meeting saying, well, we need to do L.A. and New York. So that they pick up the press release and like they're thinking bigger than I was thinking. And I'm just very much an open door guy. It's, it's what I talk about in the book is what I talk about in my life with a big enough why anyhow is possible. I know what my why is. I have no idea how I'm going to get there, but I know it's going to work out. History dictates that it will. Right. I'm, I'm that I was I was going to say that I have a similar ethos at the moment until history dictates it will um, yet. Yet. There you so, go. you know, just you just got to go with the opportunities that are in front of you. You know, the right oh, thing will happen. Absolutely. We uh, it's funny that you talk um, that your uh, systems waves. Correct. W-A-V-E-S. W-A-V-E-S. Um, yep. we talk, so I, I got a friend, my coffee guy that I, I'll actually, uh, I'll hook up, hook you up with after the show, but, um, he, he and I talk a lot about waves and, uh, a lot of people in the community energy waves and, and kind of riding those highs, um, and preparing in the lows for the next highs. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, ironic that you come with waves as your, your theory, um, or your acronym. I guess. Is it an acronym? Yeah. 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 Acronym. <laughs> um, Too late for I mean, on the spot questions like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, my mom was only a middle school English teacher for, uh, you know, years, 30 years. So why would I know what things are called? I rebelled <laughs> against her. I have, I have very poor English. A lot of the, the finer technical grammatical stuff that I, I mess up all the time was because I purposely would say it wrong so she would correct it, like, <laughs> just to irritate her. And so I, I trained myself to say it wrong. And it stuck. Yeah, big prizes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so when, uh, when do you think uh, you'll be able to send the first kit? Uh, we are targeting next year. So these, these kids will start meeting in the spring for a trip that happens over the summer. So that's our goal. And so we, we are definitely, whether, you know, if I'd only sell one book and I only make $10, we've already committed to sending kids. So I'm just going to send them out like until it starts working, I'm just sending them out of my own money. So it's like, that's, the thing is real, you know, and then hopefully oh, yeah. it continues oh, sure. continue to build. <laughs> um, so what's the process with the kids? So do they pick where they want to go? Um, is there, I know you said they apply for a grant. Did it, do they kind of dictate the flow of the trip where they would like to go? Uh, are there set choices of places they can choose from? 
So it, it's the teachers. So the the teachers partner with EF and then the teachers are the one that bring it to the school. So they kind of get the outline, they pick where they're going, et cetera. And then they offer it for, hey, whoever wants to come, you know, here's where we're going. So like when I was 13, my trip was um, London, Paris and Rome and Pisa in Italy. Um, they still offer that exact same trip, but they have trips all over the world. And it's just where whoever the teacher picks or wherever the picks. So this is a class uh, as a class. And then the individual students in the group can go. Um, so they go as a as a group. These aren't individual trips. Right. So like my trip, I think there was 12 or 13 kids. There was three okay. teachers. Yeah. So it'll be yeah, something that, like that. that. Sometimes parents will go, you know. Yep, that's uh, that was the that was what I was referring to. I, I was I was under the assumption it was a it was a one on one trip, and because I had the opportunity to do some of that stuff too. Um, but uh, yeah, the 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 class it's not a class trip, but yes, very. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so like everybody that went with me, we were all seventh grade going into eighth grade, you know. So they still do that, and EF does a ton. You know, they do gap year stuff, they do exchange student stuff. You know, they kind of run the gamut of students of any age going abroad. You know, this is just it's the one that means the most to me because it was the one that changed my life. So that's the one we're focusing on. Nice, nice, nice. So the book goes. Uh, you said September twelfth, and then. Yep. Um, Everything else is is already live. You've already you already do coaching and all of that. Um, how uh, how was writing the book? Was that uh, did you enjoy that process? Um, you know, I'm a writer naturally. I had a blog for a long time. Um, it's called Chasing Less. So it's ChasingLess.com, which is still live. I actually did the last blog post after this week, yesterday or Friday, I guess. Right. Um, which is kind of sad, you know, it was like camp was over. But uh, so I, I love to write. And this book didn't start out how it ended up. And I tell people I could write a book about writing a book now. And it was, have you ever, have you ever written a book or thought about it? Um, I've, I've done like little just ebook training books, but nothing okay. at scale. Yeah. And so that's what this was going to be. I just wanted to, it was going to be me interviewing my entrepreneur buddies around the world. So I was going to do a hundred interviews with people from like 20 different countries and just what they've been through, what was, what was similar. It was like, I had the methodology of the waves method, but it wasn't called that. It was just the stuff I, I did. And I kind of went through if they made those same kind of decisions, had that same kind of filter. Right. And as I did the interviews, it just kept occurring to me, like the successful people I know have all done the same things. And the people who want to be successful or are struggling or don't know how to make that next decision, they need these tools. So it just came out of that place of service was like, how, how can I bring this to more people if I'm only working with six people at a time? And that's by design because I, I don't want to be a coach for 40 hours a week. Like I want to focus on five or six people and that's it. So that's what that's what the book turned into this 200 plus page editors and a publisher and a marketing company and... You know, and there's, I'll tell you this too, a little inside secret for you. Yeah. I probably have 500 hours into writing this book in the last six months. So do that math. And I'm not making that money back. I mean, I could have made a quarter million dollars with that time. And the book makes nine bucks a copy. And, and the average, average book sale, the average, average author sells 250 books ever. Think about that. Average book sells 250 copies ever. So if I'm average, well, I'm you're not, not the average man or the average author. So, <laughs> but if I'm average, I'm going to make 2,500 bucks back. So, but that's, that's not what it was designed to do, you know, and we put a bunch of money in the launch and a bunch, we probably have a hundred grand just in the launch and it's about helping people, you know, and the cool thing for me, man, is I help people in my private practice. The book is going to help people. The courses help people. The money that comes in, we flip it right back around and we help the kids. It's like this never ending circle of changing the world. And it's one of those, it sounds so, bro, I'm changing the world, but it's, you know, person at a time is how it happens. Well, yeah. Uh, one of the, one of my viewers here was saying that if you, if you send one, one person, it matters to that one. Um, Absolutely. The same theory applies to your book, to, um, your coaching, but that one matters to that one, but that person's going 
to pass that on. When you when you convey the Absolutely. right message, when you convey the right experience, there's no stopping that person from talking about it, paying it forward. Like some sort of momentum happens there, even in that one person. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I coached baseball for a long time in Charlotte. I coached school. I don't have any kids of my own, but I coached school ball. And five of my kids went on to play Major League Baseball. And we had a really, really, really quality baseball team, you know, D1 school that went on. So, but it's that you'd run into these kids five and 10 years later and they'd stop you on the sidewalk and they would tell you a story about something you told them that you don't remember. And they're like, Coach Roderick, Coach Roderick, you know, oh, you won't believe what happened. Remember that day? And I'm like, no. To be honest, I don't remember that day. But you, you said something that impacted them, right? And it's that feeling that I get chills just talking about it right now. And I watch those light bulbs go off with the folks in our workshops. I watch those light bulbs go off with my individual clients. It's like a thousand light bulbs illuminate at the same time. And they're like, I see it now. Like, I, I, I get it. And that's where I get my joy. That's my why, right? So I have this, this beautiful why on both sides of that equation, man. And it's, it's a hard to describe feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta be great. I, I get goose pimples when I get the, the message or the email uh, from something I'll say on my podcast or on a, when I guest on somebody else's show and be like, Hey, that uh, really made sense. Or it made sense for me, or, you know, it was, it made a difference. And I'm like, okay, maybe all those times I don't want to get up and do the show or, or I'm nervous to do something that I do and go mm -hmm. through with. And it, it turns out that way. Maybe it was the right thing to do. So, I get it, man. I can only imagine on a, a the scale um, that you're about to impact. <laughs> We're hopeful. We're hopeful over here. <laughs> I mean, it history's proven, right? That's you it. said it. You know, I always say it, if it, it's going to work, it's just a matter of how do I make it work. You know, yeah. big enough why. Yeah. I got I got confidence in you. Um, <laughs> So <laughs> we're at uh, we're at like 57 minutes. I, I ask you for an hour. I want to hold to that. But at the end, I usually like to give uh, the guests kind of free reign to leave the audience with uh, any sort of thought, man, one liner or, you know, take five minutes. Talk as long as you want. I, I say an hour if you want to if you want to ramble for an hour and a half on the theories of relativity or something. Um, <laughs> dude, the floor yeah, is yours yeah. and then we'll wrap up and get out of here. I get the feeling we could go on for another hour, hour and a half if, if, if we wanted to, right? But um, I, I will leave you with two things. I will say milliondollarflipflops.com slash resources, access code lots. So everybody can go there. And it's a Thoreau quote that I've lived by for a really long time. That's what I'll leave you with. It is the cost of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. Yeah. I saw, I saw that at the bottom of your profile and I was like, yep, mm -hmm. I, it's for go. sure. It's for sure, man. I, uh, I will have that link and the access code in the video notes and the audio notes and in all the posts and everything. I, I got it in my notes here. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate your story. I think, yeah, I think you. what you have going on right now is, is incredible and, uh, it's going to be a huge success. I, I have no doubt. Uh, I will definitely, uh, push the book out there when it releases in a couple weeks here or about a month. Um, Hey man, I appreciate you being here. I'm going to drop you off. And if you'll hang out for a few minutes, I'm going to wrap the show up and we'll, uh, we'll talk for a minute. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. All right. No problem. Talk to you in a minute. All right, man, what a great conversation. You're going to want to check out that book when it comes out, but be sure to head over to milliondollarflipflops.com slash resources and use the access code LOTS. Like I said, that link will be in the video description, in the audio description, on the blog post, everywhere. Um, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate the conversation. That was fantastic. I'd like to thank Roderick for coming on um, for that great chat. This has been another episode of LOTS to talk about. If you enjoyed it, if you enjoy it, please consider sharing it with others. Thanks for listening, and we will catch up with you next time. I can feel the sun.